Welcome to the Tech Simple Podcast. Independent insights into the latest AV technologies, as well as tips and best practices to optimise AV solutions for modern workplace and learning environments. Here are your hosts, David and Jonathan from Connectus AV Consulting. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Tech Simple Podcast. Jonathan, g'day. How are you, my friends? I am Stella today, and I'm really quite excited about this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the the audience are really going to enjoy what we're going to talk about today. We've got a special guest, and tell us all about the topic and who we have with us today. So the topic today is a proof of concept. What is it? When do you do them? Why is it so important to conduct proof of concept? And what do you actually do when you finish it? Now, the guest that we have today is Mark Samuel. He comes from TPG Telecom, and he's the head of workplace IT there. He's got quite a unique experience delivering proof of concepts, having delivered one recently for TPG uh, that we're going to delve into uh, as well. Uh, Mark's also had a lot of experience at other technology companies like SBS and Woolworths. Welcome, Mark, to the podcast. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for that really great intro. Really happy to be here uh, with you this afternoon and looking forward to our chat over the next little while. Yeah, really appreciate you coming in, Mark. What we want to be talking about uh, first off, we'll get straight into it, is um, proof of concepts. And I know you and I have had a chat about this on a previous conversation. You've got quite a bit of experience running proof of concepts and I think it'd be um, really beneficial if we can sort of go through, well, what is a proof of concept and what are we even trying to achieve when we do one? You know, what are the benefits um, when it comes to technology and doing these types of trials? Sure. So for us, the proof of concept, we would typically run a proof of concept when we've got a maybe a loose set of requirements where we think we know roughly what we want, but we're not totally locked in. And we want to try and evaluate multiple types of a situation where we're talking about office or workplace type stuff. So it might be meeting room technology, it could be office tech, it could be endpoints or laptops, it could be screens, it could be even just sort of system functionality. So we would just have a bit of an idea what we want, run a proof of concept with the view that it is either want to fail fast or it's something that we would then use to build a, a business case or a feasibility study from. And usually when we're talking about equipment we would look lean into the OEMs to get sort of demo stock, understand what their capabilities are, talk to them a little bit. And then when we're done, the unsuccessful bits of equipment get boxed up and go away. Generally, most of it we give away or we give back rather. And then we would then take the next steps of the stuff that we did, think was successful, and we would transition that into production within our organisation. Okay, I like what you said there, failing fast. Um, that's probably, I, I suppose, expanding on or, or exploring a little bit further. Yeah, there's obviously a, a time frame. I mean, it's obviously going to depend case by case, but a short time frame is what I'm hearing you say where you can move it on to maybe a next stage. I'll give an example. We were evaluating some, seems pretty mundane, but some computer screens for TPG. You know, if you're going to fit out your offices and you want to have a, an idea of your standard going forward, we spoke to the OEMs, we got some screens, and we knew instantly that one or two of them weren't going to foot the bill. We thought, oh, maybe we, we, we kind of didn't really think they were going to be good at the start because they didn't meet our they were great screens, but just didn't meet our requirements. But we thought, let's just have a look. And we knew instantly that these guys weren't going to do it for us. And the ones that we sort of weren't expecting actually were the ones we ended up going with. So we kind of knew straight away with one. 
one model was ruled out instantly and then the other one we weren't quite sure so we kind of put it out to our staff our customers to see what's their preference some of them had little quality differences or integration or something was better or something was a bolt-on so once we knew what we kind of wanted we hovered around a little bit more we maybe we actually bought a few ourselves and deployed a couple around the organization get some more i guess robust feedback from staff and then ended up making a decision yeah that's um that's good to get that feedback i mean jonathan we've done you know proof of concepts as well and you've been kind of deeply involved in in gathering that feedback i mean what what are some examples there that you can recall yeah so i've always found proof of concepts to be quite important because you know everybody's situation every organization is a little bit different and most manufacturers they can't account for that so when they give you guidance or give you information on what their product does and how it does it they're not exactly thinking about your exact situation and until you get their products or until you get their services into your own environment and figure out how it integrates to your own existing tools you don't really know exactly how it's going to work or whether it's going to be able to deliver the specific things that you went out to achieve or set out to achieve in your environment might work great in someone else's environment because they've got a different setup. But until you look at it specifically in how you've got your environment set up, you don't really know. And that's been a a real key. Often you'll find when you see a demo or something like that, that they're giving you the end product that is you're seeing time spent on research and development and refining. They didn't come up necessarily with that as their set of requirements from the start. Yeah, that's right. And what about, you know, examples of when you don't really need a proof of concept? Because I think that would be good to distinguish. Because sometimes you can probably see straight out of the gate that, yeah, this is going to work, this is going to be fine, I don't really need to test this too much or get people's opinions. Um, Is there some sort of a criteria that you might have there, Mark or Jonathan, that, you know, you could share that the listeners might benefit from, yeah, putting into their businesses? Yeah, so far as the criteria of a proof of concept, One of the biggest criteria that I use is impact to users. So when you're thinking about introducing a new product or a new service into your business or organization, you have to reflect and say, well, in a day-to-day workday for my people, what kind of impact is this change going to have? And if that is, you're saying, well, this is going to revolutionize all make it absolutely amazing or change it completely, well, this is where you've got to take a step back and say, you know what, I think this really needs to be fully validated in a proof of concept before we make these kind of large changes. And that might be end user experience where it's impacting from your people, but it also might be from your support perspective as well. You know, like how are these things managed and supported in an ongoing basis? So that's probably key criteria number one. Second key criteria is how familiar is your organization or your people with these products or services? If it's something completely new to them that they've never seen before, taking the time to introduce those products and services to your people in terms of how it's managed, how it's deployed, what it means for the organization is quite important as well. If it's an iterative product, then proof of concept, probably not as important or if it's not having a huge impact on user experience or operation and maintenance again not really considered for a proof of concept what's your experience mark would you agree with that that's definitely i think it really also another way to look at it is the risk appetite and how much is the investment so if you're going to replace an entire fleet of something 
probably want to proof of concept it. But other things like, for example, if you look at the Microsoft stack for, say, 365, features and some of those advanced features that they release out into the wild, you can take those that they will work out of the box for most people. And you don't need to, say, release that through proof of concept. But I think it really depends on how much you know about what you need. Has anyone else done it before? And combining that with the level of risk your organization is willing to take and how much it's going to cost you to get there. Probably wouldn't invest in any significant technology investment that was, you know, hundreds or millions of dollars without doing a thorough proof of concept or market test or reference sites and those sorts of things. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's probably a good, I suppose, transition into just having a chat about the recent, well, proof of concept and then pilot, if I've understood correctly, Mark, when it comes to the um, the Cisco meeting room systems you have and making them compatible with Microsoft Teams. Can you tell us a little bit about that and like what have you been doing and why was it even something to consider for the business in the in the first place? Sure. So when I joined uh, TPG was just after the two entities, Vodafone and TPG, merged, and we had an environment that involved blue jeans inside mm. Cisco hardware setup with the organization being a Teams-dominated environment. So you had hardware from one layer, interop from another, and then you had over the top you had a Teams experience. And just the experience in the meeting room didn't work very well, combination of equipment age plus what the expectations of the organization coming out of the original sort of COVID hybrid working work from home where that all sort of went boom and really people were having expectations that the experience of using teams from say peer-to-peer or at home was different to coming in the office and actually the office had gone from being the leader to being the follower in terms of the experience so we knew that we needed to do something we knew we were either going to replace our existing equipment in our current building or we were going to move to a new building or something in between and we wanted to be ready for when that happens so we went and stayed pretty close to Cisco with what they were working on they're one of our strategic partners as a telco we spent a lot of money with Cisco and built a lot of networks so they were really open with what they were working on talk with Microsoft as well given they were Microsoft dominated environment we we have a lot of people with base our workflows and stuff around the Microsoft stack. We were able to go and talk to them. And we were able to go and also look at other organizations that had gone with the full-on Teams experience without Cisco on board. But it's somewhere in our journey, Cisco, when we we're trying to choose between A and B, we ended up being able to have both A and B with Cisco releasing the effectively an Android version of their equipment, which would run Teams. So it's sort of like running Android on an iPhone, You're getting sort of the I don't know, Many most people would hopefully agree with me, but the Cisco meeting room equipment is, of a, in our opinion, a bit more of a premium feel in terms of the build quality and the cameras and the tech that they bring to it. Mm-hmm. Not to say the other stuff from, say, Logitech and Poly are excellent. They are fantastic, but we felt the Cisco was just a little bit extra. And as soon as we found out that this was possible, we leveraged that relationship with Cisco to get on the beta program, understand what features were, able to do some of that rapid prototyping with getting hold of some demo gear, even from them and looking at it in their lab and basically having the engineers or the, the technical people talk direct with their technical people on what was coming, what was the roadmap. We were actually coming back to sort of, I guess, to contradict my own self from five seconds ago, we made an <laughs> investment in Cisco hardware before it was certified by Cisco and Microsoft. But having said that, we were able to do a risk assessment that we knew it was coming. We could see what other people couldn't see because we were right close to it. So we we're able to invest in 
enough demo gear to be able to test it and trial it for ourselves and see and feel confident that this is the right gear for us. Yeah, confidence obviously is, is the key there when you're assessing the risk. So you've, you've sort of ticked all the boxes and because, you know, that would not be an inexpensive exercise, that's for sure. And I, I really like the fact that you didn't have to sort of consider throwing all the Cisco stuff away because that would be a very expensive exercise as well. Yeah, we reached out to the OEMs as well. So good relationships with people like Dell, Lenovo, as you'd expect for a company of sort of similar size to have good relationships with those people. And they sent over a demo kit of everything they had to offer. Uh, and we put it through its paces. We had a demo room running all this sort of stuff just for our staff to give feedback and tell us what worked, what didn't work. Probably, I reckon we had one working for about six months side by side oh, yeah. with our current Cisco stuff just to see what people thought and for us to see things like, how's the cabling set up? You know, what's the day-to-day usage of this thing because one of the challenges we have and probably everyone has is just keeping your meeting rooms simple with the connectivity that staff expect but also keeping them neat and tidy from one meeting to the next everyone's very very busy we wanted to keep it simple and try and minimize the chance of people ripping stuff out trying to get it to connect we just want to walk in and get it to work so have been able to lean into the case studies with people that have used it before leaning into the oems to get them to show us what it could do and then actually having our requirements that firmed up as we went along enabled us to make that call, which you're right, David, it wasn't necessarily a trivial call, but I think when this stuff comes out and everyone starts to see it a bit more in the wild or they start to interact with it, uh, they'll be pretty impressed. Oh, that's great. So actually, you're going to ask another question. Are there any sort of, you know, pieces of advice you could share with the listeners, you know, maybe other organisations like yourselves who are in a similar position? I mean, it sounds like you're saying it's very successful for your organisation and it could be for others as well. Or, you know, are there certain, uh, I don't know, criteria that you'd probably have to have in place in order to go down this path? And what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think definitely the Cisco equipment I think it helps if you're familiar with Cisco already. Mm. Your environment has the skills in place for that. Definitely very in-depth in terms of an ecosystem. You could get right down to the nuts and bolts of the configuring all of this stuff, Mm -hmm. down into the hardware layer. So I think if you've got familiarity with that, probably already in halfway there. I think having the ability to lean into your partners, your AV integrators, your OEMs, your network of peers, and get as much feedback as possible try and see it, feel it, touch it, get proper real-world feedback would also help. And then if you can even try and use it, no matter what decision you're planning on going down, whether it's Cisco, Microsoft, Zoom Rooms or whatever, trying to get as much positive or negative feedback as you can. Talk to. We did plenty of research talking to the likes of Gartner. Anywhere we could go to, we would go to summits, we'd talk to anyone we could get that would listen and have us and visit their offices and see what they have to say and basically just lean into your network and see who can help. Okay. And internally, people have a lot of opportunity to come in and experience and give feedback. How important was that in sort of getting to the right solution or suite of solutions, do you think? I think sometimes in an IT department, it's pretty, sometimes we give the worst feedback because our (laughs) standards are different. Um, We kind of don't mind it being sometimes a little bit of one extra click to us, whereas our staff members, that one extra click is just they've completely it's too, one too many. Just click here, then click here and click here. I like to think that, you know, we're going to make, make, make it simple and give them opportunity, give staff opportunity to have feedback, but also they don't also not always able to give the feedback instantly. Sometimes it takes a little while for it to sink in and think about it and then come back. So, yeah, we try to, with our general ethos for our office technology has been to try and keep it simple. 
you can go all in with the uh, tracking of things or monitoring people and wayfinding and all that fancy stuff. But we felt it was uh, better to get the basics right and do it really well and provide people with sort of that seamless experience from home to the office to their desk to the meeting room to shared spaces. Oh, that's awesome. And Jonathan, well, you and I have been standing on uh, on top of the mountain yelling that out for, uh, well, decades really. So it's good to hear that, uh, you know, there's other people that, that also agree. But it is definitely the thing that we hear time and time again, isn't it? Keep it simple. Make sure it works first time every time. Uh, so it sounds like that's in place there at TPG, which is great to see, Mark. I think we're also trying not to be, we're trying not to be too rigid. So we know that we may not have got everything right. So we want to just have some flexibility. So be able to change stuff out. The good thing, um, without sounding like too much blowing the trumpet of Cisco, but at least with the Cisco gear, I've got, I can always fall back to WebEx if I have to. Uh, we've got a lot of, we um, have some WebEx, other WebEx investments. So I know that I've always got a plan B. So same with the petitioning of stuff or our desk environment isn't quite right or some of the spaces that we've built aren't quite right, then we know that we've got the option to go back and change it and move it around. And we ask staff for their feedback. We put a little QR code there that we're building. Just give us a rating. Tell us what you like, what you don't like about this space and what can we do to make it better? Yeah, that is so important to have that feedback loop, to spend a large investment on making a big change to go out and deploy it and then not even check if it's working well. And as you say, not being flexible enough to say, you know what, okay, these things, little things are not working well. Let's tweak it and optimize that experience to get the most out of that investment that we just spent so long uh, working on. We did our, you know, proof of concept. We did our pilot. We've just done this large deployment. Uh, Now let's make it as optimal as possible. And you can sort of get a bit of a feel if it's working or not because people will be using it or not using it. Yeah. If I come into a meeting room and there's cords everywhere, maybe I might not have it set up as simply as I thought I did. Or the <laughs> shared spaces, people aren't using it as intended. But I guess to the opposite side of that, we've been encouraging staff through some live demos to tell us how they think they can use the equipment in ways that we haven't thought about, and then we can share it with others. Ah, oh, well, now that is next level powerful because you don't often hear that. Quite often, it's more like, all right, let's just get these these systems installed and up and running, and you know, try and minimise the, I suppose, service calls or complaints, and that's a win for us. But you're actually there trying to add value to the business. You're actually trying to improve the way people work, and that's a whole different thing. Well, we had the um, Surface Hub the other day on a particularly important meeting that had people from in the room, interstate, other companies. And the next thing you know, people are breaking out the iPad with Microsoft Whiteboard on the Surface Hub and they would workshop this great big plan in real time in purely purely digital workspace that was all saved. There was no more people saying, I can't see the whiteboard or I have to rub it off and run out of space and then I'll take a photo and send it to you. All that sort of stuff just went on. But we didn't even train them. These people just figured it out themselves in real time and adapted, which was quite nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. And you can take that and, again, maybe roll that out to others and, and they they can benefit from um, from these others who are a bit more, I suppose, adventurous or, or pioneering when it comes to, yeah, the tech savviness. You know, I think that's a good way to, to transition. I really want to pick your brain and go a bit more macro. You know, in, in your position there, Mark, as you know, head of workplace IT at a large organisation, I'd really like to understand 
what it is you you sort of see the next year, maybe in the next three years, maybe in the next five years, future of work, future of of the workplace. What are some trends that you believe might be coming into into play for us? Um, what are the things that you're focusing on, maybe looking out for to implement a TPG? I mean, we don't have an hour and a half, <laughs> but it'd be it'd be great to get a few little um, insights there and hear what you what you feel about that. Sure. So I guess any role that's of an operational nature as ours is where you've got customers that are your staff, for us, it's simplification and simplifying our stuff. We want to have less things around the place and we want to have it simple for people to come and interact with us. You can use all the buzzwords like frictionless and all that sort of stuff, but we're looking to just make sure it's simple and really build on that feedback loop with staff by you know, transitioning to things like monitoring our user experience through NPS, through those quantitative and qualitative measures, encouraging people just to give us feedback on stuff at any unprompted time, not just when we've done a thing for you. So getting a handle on the simplification and solidifying all the operational side of things and make sure that is running well, but then focus on the experience that our staff have interacting with our technology that is equitable from home to work. It shouldn't matter if you're in the head office, a remote office, at home, wherever you are, you should have the same opportunities as anybody else. Um, Nice, yeah. From collaboration to the tech itself. And then trying to really, for us, it's about leaning into our trusted partners and our strategic partners, people like Microsoft, to how do we use all of their stack I don't think we are by no means an AI expert or anything like that, but with some of the features that's coming to the table from the co-pilot from Microsoft, I can see that really helping. And the other one... That's quite an interesting one because we've talked quite a lot about hardware, but what role does software play in that future in 12, two years, three years, five years? Because I kind of see the software as the glue, right, that's holding all of these things together. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that sort of... Making things simple with the interop, so using the same identity everywhere through the organization, mm-hmm. especially when you're a large company like we are, to be able to maintain that sort of consistency. Also then around, I think for us, looking at ways to make it easier to interact with one another through the organization, through automation. How do we make things transactional? We're pretty good in IT of having requests for you know, portals for ordering our stuff. Customers can order our stuff from us, but how do we order stuff from one another internally? So thinking internally of, of our own little B2B. So I think there's some opportunities there to look at that in the future. Um, I think people are used to the experience you get when you order a pizza or you order an Uber or you could interface with these corporations. They're so simple. It's just click, 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 and then you rate it and then off you go. I think trying to somehow bring that to the workplace would be, I think, be something that we're at least familiar with. Oh, that's a great analogy. I guess that's all we have time for, guys, you know. Um, I wish we could be chatting for a little bit longer on this subject. We might have to have a part two or something like that. But, look, it's been really good to have you, Mark, sort of talk through the benefits of a proof of concept and I think that case study that you've just shared with us around the Cisco and the MTR, that's been quite enlightening, uh, something that we, we should probably look into a little bit further ourselves with some of our customers. And yeah, the uh, the future, well, uh, less is more is, is the summary. That's what I was hearing. Make it frictionless and more instantaneous and yeah, more pleasurable experiences and keeping it equal for everyone as well. So look, thanks again, Mark. Really appreciate your time today. 
Thanks, David. And thanks, Jonathan. It's been really great being here with you guys and chatting to you and sort of sharing some of our thoughts and hearing uh, your view on those stuff as those things as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Tech Simple Podcast. To like, share, or discover more episodes, head over to Spotify. If you'd like to talk to us about AV in your workplace or learning environment, book an initial discovery call with David or Jonathan at connectus.com.au. And remember, 